Good morning, Midtown. How you guys doing this morning? Good morning, Midtown. How you guys doing this morning? All right. Excited to be here. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Darius. I am the associate campus pastor at the Norcross campus. Uh, if you had an opportunity to be here on Mother's Day, you heard my spicy barbecue rib preach. That was my wife, Melba. I'll give her a hand as she's with me today. So I get the privilege to just be here with you guys today uh, in, in place of the pastors, Pastors Mo and Pastor Kendra and their new addition, Maximus Caden Moment is in the house. That brother right there, let me tell you something. So Friday we had an opportunity to do a FaceTime with uh, Pastors Mo and Kendra, and that's a beautiful boy. Like, that boy is, he will waste all your time. Like, he is a good-looking fella. So, uh, the Pastors Mo and Kendra told me to tell you that they love you and that you are in good hands today, and they said to shout me down as I preach today. They didn't, they didn't do that last part. But it's good to be here today. Uh, we're continuing in the series, Fences, and last week we talked about uh, the, a fence of rest, a fence of rest. You know, the idea is that a fence is a boundary. A fence, it keeps bad things out and it keeps good things in. The idea is that everywhere you go, everywhere you turn, there are boundaries somewhere to protect us from something, to preserve something. As you drove in today, if you drove down I-75 or I-85, there was this dotted line that was coming down the street that is a boundary to keep bad drivers out of your lane. Amen? And also to keep you, if you're a bad driver, to keep you in your lane. Somebody say, stay in your lane. Amen. Boundaries have been here from the beginning. As a matter of fact, we go all the way back to the book of beginnings in Genesis chapter 2. We see we have the first boundary. Very important story. It's one of those stories that we can never get away from because it has so many jewels in this story. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, God has created all things and he created Adam and he's placing Adam in the garden and then he has some instruction from, for Adam. Verse 15, it says, Then the Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to cultivate, cultivate it and tend it. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may, eat, may freely eat, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For on the day that you eat from it, you will certainly die. So we see the first boundary that was set up. God placed a boundary line. He said, Adam, you can eat this tree. You can eat that tree. You can eat all of these other trees. But from that one tree right there, that one tree, don't eat that tree or you're going to die. Story goes on in Genesis chapter 3. Uh, Eve is on the scene and the serpent steps in the garden, begins to blur the boundaries. He says this in Genesis 3 verse 1. He speaks to Eve and he says, Has God really said you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said you shall not eat from it or touch it, or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, you certainly will not die. 
Now look at this, look at this. God says to Adam, the day you eat of the tree, you will certainly die. Serpent comes in, blurs the lines, tells the woman, you certainly will not die. So we have, we have a problem here. God sets a boundary, he, he sets truth, and he says there's consequences to this boundary. The enemy comes and says, no, that's not exactly true. God did not necessarily mean that, and he's lying to you. He's lying to you. He's not telling you the truth, Eve. What he said was, he said, God knows that if you eat this tree, you're going to be like him. The reality of it is, is that God's truth is truth. Nothing is going to change God's truth. You certainly will die. Eve said, the serpent said, you certainly will not die. Who are we going to believe? Today, in our time right now, the, the boundary lines are blurred. Very blurred. God says one thing, society says another thing. God says one thing, the world says another thing. The reality of it is, is that God's truth is truth and God is not going to change his truth just because we want to believe a lie. Amen? Here's, here's the idea. Here's the idea. Everywhere in the earth, there's things that you can get yourself into that can do you harm. We understand boundaries. If you went to the Atlantic Ocean and you went out in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean on a boat, there is a rail around that boat, and we understand if you jump off into that ocean, what's going to happen? You're not going to be like Castaway and Tom Hanks. No, a shark is going to eat you up. You're going to die unless God preserves you. We understand if we're, if we're on, a, on a high building that is 30 stories up, look, if you step out of line and you step away from the boundary, you will die. But some kind of way when it comes to spiritual things, when it comes to the boundaries that God has set, we feel like God is harsh if he says, look, if you live life my way, if you do things my way, you'll live and not die. But if you don't, if you don't, when you give your life, if you don't give your life to Christ, at the end of the story, there is two places that you will have an opportunity to go. Eternally in heaven with Jesus Christ or eternally in heaven with those who are with the devil and his angels. God never created hell for us. The Bible says hell was created for the devil and his angels. And if you choose to go that route, it's not God sending you to hell. It's you choosing to jump off of the boat of safety. Everyone say boundaries. There's fences. There's spiritual fences. Do not let the world tell us that there are no boundaries. We live in a society where they say, look, you can do whatever you want to do. Do you. You only live once. All of these things. But I'm telling you, you may only live once, but you die twice if you don't choose Jesus Christ. Amen. Y'all with me? So when we speak of boundaries, last week we talked about Things that God preserves. We talked about one holy thing that God preserves is rest. So we talked about the fence of rest. And another thing that God said was holy, the second thing is man. And so I want to turn to, turn to Leviticus chapter 19. And I want you to take a look at this scripture with me. Verse 1 and 2. 
It says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to all the congregation of the sons of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Everyone say holy. 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 That word holy means to be set apart for a special purpose. To be set apart for a special purpose. So, the title that we're working from today is Defense of Holiness. Because he has made man holy, and this is what he said to us as man and woman. He said, be holy, for I am holy. Six times in the book of Leviticus, God said, be holy, for I am holy. And what that means is, if he says, be holy, for I am holy, God is saying, be like me. Everyone say, be like me. That word holy means set apart. That means he wants you to be different. He wants you to be set apart. He wants you to be unique because he has a special purpose for you. And if we think about holy, it is to be set apart. If we say holiness, it is set apart in a lifestyle of holiness. Because here's what, here's what I want you to know. If God is saying, be like me in the earth, if he's saying, being set apart like me, you're going to be distinct, you're going to be different, there's going to be something special that God does in your life. He wants, to have, wants you to have a lifestyle that represents you in the earth. So my question to you is, how are you living today? God has said, be holy for I am holy. Are you living holy? Now, I know you may have a background in, in church or you may have heard this word holiness. This word sometimes it gets a bad rap because if you come from certain places, holiness means that you wear a skirt down to your feet and no makeup. Somebody say, we don't want that. We don't want it. We want some makeup. Yeah, yeah. Give me some makeup. Holiness doesn't mean that. They made it all about what's on the outside instead of what's on the inside. Do you know you can be fixed up on the outside and a, and a, and a, a valley of dry bones on the inside? Holiness is, a, is not about that. It's about a, a heart posture towards God. It's about being like God in the earth. It's about being with God in the earth. So we're going to dive in a little bit on this because God has a special purpose for you and he has called you special. Somebody say, I'm special. You're not special because your wife told you you're special. You're not special because your auntie told you you were special. You're not special because your favorite teacher told you were special. You're not even special because I'm telling you you're special. You're special because God called you special. He said you were special. He said in his, in his word, in 2 Peter, in 1 Peter verse 2, he said, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim praises of him who called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. You're special, you are holy, you are meant to be like God in the earth. Now, does that feel good? But God has some requirements. Amen? He has some requirements because he wants you to be like him. So I got two points today, two points that I'm working from. Um, 
And, and, and here's the idea. I want us to really absorb this. I want you to really key in because the reality of it is that if we choose to be who God has called us to be in the earth, we will live and not die. If we choose to, to we will thrive. We will, we will be all that God has called us to be. But if we don't, then it's the same thing. God's word still stands true and God doesn't change. Asking God to change is like asking the sun to change because it's hot outside. It's not going to change. You find shelter, you find refuge in God. Amen? So two points we're working from. When we live holy, we live a life set apart with God. When we live holy, we live a life set ablaze for God. Set apart with God and set ablaze for God. Now let's talk about set apart with God. Here's what I want you to know. A lot of times when we think about holiness, we think about, you know, not committing sin, stopping doing things, the do's and don'ts, the rules and the regulations. But here's what I want you to know. In order for you to live holiness, holy, holy, holiness doesn't begin with the absence of sin. It begins with the presence of God. It begins with the presence of God. And the beautiful thing about it, we just sung, sang a song, you know, uh, nothing else will do. I just want you. Oftentimes, we sing these songs. Oftentimes, we, we, we get a picture of that. And what we need to do is just press into some of the things that we, we, we sing about. God wants you to spend time with him. In order for you to be like him, you first must be with him. You have to spend time, of, time with God. Here's the idea. The idea is this. How can you be like God if you don't even like God? And in order for you to like God, you have to hear what he has to say. You have to know what he's saying to you. When I first gave my life to Christ, 1995, I remember it like it was yesterday. The last night I was out at the club, 1995, was off Ashby Street. Used to be Ashby Street. It's Lowry Boulevard now. And I, was, I came home and I felt death over me. I didn't grow up in church, but I felt Lord calling me. I felt death over my life. On, that way, on the way home, God said, you can't do this again, son. He was drawing a boundary. He said, if you do this again, you're going to die. And mind you, I didn't grow up in church, I didn't grow up in a religious household, but I felt God saying some things to me personally. Doesn't matter what everyone else do, he was saying some things to me personally. Don't do this again. Don't go anymore. So I went home, I gave my life to Jesus. I gave my life to Christ, and then I said to myself, how do I do this? I got so many things going on. I was addicted to drugs, on cocaine, all of these things in my life. How do I get free from the life I'm in? And the Lord said, you got to be with me. So I was on my, in, in between my summer, getting ready to go back to college, University of West Georgia. Shout out to University of West Georgia. Any wolves? There we go. Got one right there. Oh, I went to school with that guy, Patrick. <laughs> but I ended up, for a month, I gave my life to Christ, and I just, I quit my job. I called my friends. I said, don't call me. I'll call you. I got into my home, and every day I woke up, I read the Word. I read the Bible. Eight, I went to sleep. I did that day after day for, for a month. 
Because here's what I know. I, know, I knew that if I didn't get something in me, if I didn't get in the presence of God to become more like him, I was a mess. And if I would have left out of there not being influenced by his words to me, I was going to go right back to the same thing that I was, I was involved in. That was a precious time for me. So I had to, I had to get apart with God because being with him means being with the word of God. If you want to be with God, if you say, I want to spend time with Jesus, I want to know Jesus, the Bible said in John chapter 1, uh, John chapter uh, 1, it says, in the beginning was the Word of God, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14, it says that the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, talking about Jesus. So anytime you spend time in the Word, you're spending time with Jesus. Somebody say amen. When is the last time you spent some time with Jesus? The beauty of it is that as he speaks to us, we become more like him. It's not just about trying to stay away from sin. It's about being like him. You know, the first commandment is not for you to hate sin. The first commandment is for you to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. If you could do that, if we could focus on that, everything else that God wants to do in our life as far as being holy, living holy, living set apart for him and with him, God will be able to do. How many of you want to live a holy life? Being with him means spending time with his word, having a burden for his word, being able to spend time with him means that I'm going to go into his word and when I come out, I'm going to be a changed person and he's going to continuously transform me into more of who he is. Some of you right now, you may be in between jobs because of COVID, because of whatever, and you've been in a season where you're just trying to make something happen. I felt like this morning God told me to speak to some of you who are in between jobs and you're trying to make something happen. Has it ever occurred to you that you may be in between God, between jobs because God wants to preserve some time with you? He wants you to take advantage of his presence. And if you could get him into your heart, if you could get him into your life, when you step on a new job or the next job you step in, when you walk in, you won't walk in by yourself. You'll walk in bringing Jesus in the atmosphere. Amen? You'll walk in with Jesus in the atmosphere. So being, him, being, being like God or being holy, being with him is being with his word. But the other thing is being with him means not settling for the minimum. It means that we don't settle for the minimum. Oftentimes we, 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 we are in a space that we, we just settle. And like what I'm saying right now, when we think about all that God has done for us, when we think about how good God has been, oftentimes we are distant from God because we feel like we, feel like we don't have enough or we feel like we can't give more or we can't give more to God. I'm saying we cannot settle for the minimum. We have to be able to go into the presence of God and give our whole heart. You may be here today and you feel like, you know what, I've been with the word, I've been spending time with Jesus, but I still feel cold. I still feel like I don't have a burning desire inside of me. I would tell you 
you need to begin with just saying thank you. When is the last time you said thank you to God? You know, you know, oftentimes, if we could just step in a place of adoration for Jesus, to adore him, like in your private time, step in a place of adoration to give him glory and exalt who he is. The fire that God has placed inside of us will come back alive. Have, you know, some of us, we need to wake up in the morning, pull the covers off and say, thank you, God, for this bed I'm in. Look at the covers and say, thank you, Lord, for these sheets that kept me warm tonight. Thank you, Lord, for the thread count on the sheets. <laughs> Lord, thank you. When you turn off and you put your feet down on the floor, thank you, Lord, for these hardwood floors or this carpet I'm on. Put your house shoes on. Thank you, Lord, for the house shoes. Walk into the bathroom, look at the toothpaste and say, thank you, Jesus, for the toothpaste I got. Listen to me, look in the mirror, look in the mirror and say, thank you, Lord, for this face that you made, this I'm beautifully and wonderfully made. Thank you, Lord, for this hair on my head. Come on, somebody. Thank you for this wig that I'm about to put on my head, somebody. Come on, somebody. Get, go get in the car and say, thank you for this car you gave me. I know it's a 2002, but thank you for the car. Thank you for the tater chips in the middle of the season. I said tater chips, not potato chips. Tater chips in the middle of the seat because that means that I ate something in my car. Thank you, Jesus. Some of us just need to get some adoration about us. Thank you, Lord. If you're sitting beside your husband and wife or wife, say, thank you, Lord, for this fine specimen that you gave me. If you're not, thank you, Lord, for the future wife or whatever it is. But we're so used to living with apathy. We're so used to living at the minimum that we don't thank God to the maximum for what he has done in our lives. I want you to just be silent for a minute. I want you to listen, listen. Y'all hear that air conditioning right there? Somebody say, thank you for air conditioning. Sometimes we have to get grateful about what God has done for us when we step into his presence so that we can have a burning fire grow inside of us. Amen? So we got to live life to the maximum, not to the minimum, and that even concerns when it comes to areas of sin. Don't just do the bare minimum. Do the maximum where it concerns God. In, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus has given his famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus is setting, setting some precedent for how he wants us to live. And I want you to hear what he said to the Pharisees, because if we can get the idea of what he's talking about, we can see how he wants us to approach sin. Matthew chapter 5, it says, Jesus is speaking, he says, But I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, think about that statement because what he was saying, he's saying this to a group of people who are perfect where it concerns the law. So he's saying, I don't want you to just do enough. I want you to even go beyond what the law has said. Look what he says, verse 21. He said, you have heard that our ancestors were told you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. Now, how many of you believe murder is wrong? Raise your hand. 
Everybody, hopefully everybody in here believes murder is wrong. But look at what Jesus says. But I say, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. Verse 27, he said, you have heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. How many of you believe adultery is wrong? Put your hands, if you married, put your hands up right now. <laughs> Look at what Jesus says. He says, but I say, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So if your eye, even your good eye, I love how Jesus says some people got a good eye. Some people, <laughs> man. Causes you, to causes you to lust, gouge it out, and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Now, listen to what Jesus is saying. He's saying, look, some of us stop at what we do on the outside. Some of us, we think, okay, murdering is wrong, but I can be angry with someone. Jesus is saying, look, if you're angry with someone, that is... A, that, is, uh, is almost an offense as, of to, mur as to murder. Because he's saying in your heart, if you don't do something with that anger, that anger is going to snowball. And it'll ultimately snowball to backbiting. To, it'll snowball to unforgiveness. It'll snowball, and if it gets real bad, it'll equal murder. Reality of it is, is that some of us sitting right here under, under that type of law, some of us should be on trial for murder right now. Because as you drove in today, you had some anger in your heart with somebody who had crossed over the boundary line over your car. Now, right now, let's take a moment. Let's forgive everybody who offended us as we drove in today, including our husband, our wife, our friend. Forgive our family members. We need to take a moment to align our hearts with God because God said, be holy for I am holy. When it comes to sin, let's not just, let's not have a legalistic mindset because that's what the Pharisees had. They were looking at how close to the fence can I get and it not be called sin? How close can I get? So they spent their life looking at the law as a fence instead of spending their life looking at God, looking at who he is. Even on the other side of that, some of us have liberal mindsets, progressive mindsets, and we're saying, well, God didn't say this. God didn't say that. I'm saying to you, everything that God has said is true. We need to receive it for what it is. But not only that, we need to have a mindset that I don't just want to live for the line. I want to live to please God. And so when I wake up in the morning, I want to live my life for the max. I want to live from a perspective that I'm not trying to get close to sin. I'm not trying to get as close as possible to sin enough to just get into heaven. What I'm trying to do is be like God in the earth for his special purpose that he has given me to live my life for. So maximum mentality says when I wake up in the morning and I go out the house, when I go on my job, how many times can I forgive today? How many, how, how many people can I forgive today? Maximum mentality says how many people can I bless today? How many people can I be a blessing to? Maximum mentality says whose car note can I sign off and write and sign a check for today? 
Maximum mentality says, who can I love today? A maximum mentality says, how can I go over and beyond and be like God in the earth? on the earth. That's what holiness is all about. It's about being like God in the earth. How many of you love God? You know, so we talked about being like God. We said, look, to live holy is to live a life set apart with God. That's loving God. That's the first commandment. And the second one, to live holy is to live a life set ablaze for God. Now, one of the things that I feel like is lacking in the body right now, the body of Christ, is that we just don't have a fire for God. We don't have a fire for God. And I'm not talking about individually. I'm not talking about myself. I'm not talking about you personally. I'm talking about overall in the body of, in the body of Christ. There needs to be a fire. There needs to be a fire in Midtown. There needs to be a fire at Norcross. And what it means is that when we, when we walk with a fire and a burden for God, that means that we catch other things on fire. Amen? You know, in, in, in Romans chapter 12, when we're speaking about holy, uh, the scripture says in Romans 12, it says, verse 1, it says, but I beseech you are, I, I, it says I, Romans chapter 12, verses 1, it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable God, which is a reasonable service. Now, when, when Paul is saying this, this is what he's saying. When a sacrifice in the Old Testament was presentable, when it was a holy sacrifice, what would happen is God would send fire to consume that sacrifice. So what Paul is saying is if you, if you live a life set apart as a holy sacrifice, we can trust that God will send his fire to consume you. That means that he will, he will give you a burden and a fire to live with a fire in the earth. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, when I, when I speak about fire, how many of you have ever started a fire that you could not stop? A few, a few people. I started a fire that I could not stop one time. Uh, I was six or seven years old. I don't even remember the age but I, I, I got a hold to some matches. And you probably hear my voice because I'm going back to the, the kid version of me. I got a hold to some matches and I got a sheet of paper and I was sitting in my room and I decided, you know what? I want to I know what this looks like if I set it on fire. I'm not an arsonist, y'all. Don't, 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 don't do that. So I, so I set the paper on fire and I just kind of watched it for a couple of seconds and then it started getting too hot. So I tried to blow it out. I tried to blow the fire out, but I couldn't get it to go out. And so it got down to my hands, and I threw it on the carpet. And it still didn't go out. The carpet started catching on fire. And so I went over there to the carpet, and I just tried to stomp it out. And it still wouldn't go out. So I got the mattress. I pulled the mattress and pulled the mattress on to the carpet to be, on the, to be over the fire and laid down on the, on the, on the mattress on the carpet. It went out, y'all. It went out. It went out. <laughs> Some of y'all was like, oh, he burnt down the house. I didn't go tell my dad. I didn't tell my mom. 
what I did was just lay it on the carpet because I know if I would have told them I just set their house on fire, they would have towed my behind up. So I laid on the carpet and then I laid on a, a mattress. About two days later, my dad came in the room. He says, so why are you, why are you laying on this mattress on the floor? I just said, I just want to be down here. I want to lay on the, lay on the mattress. Eventually, he pulled the mattress up and there was still a spot right there on the carpet. Because one thing, you, one thing I know, wherever fire has been, it'll leave a mark. Wherever fire has been, it's going to leave a mark. And one of the things I know is that when God sets you on fire for, for a purpose, for his special purpose for your life, wherever you go, you're going to burn up something. When I say that, I'm saying you're going to cause a holy fire wherever you go. You're going to set some things on fire. God has called us. He said, the Bible said, he has made his ministers flame of fire. So God wants you to be on fire for him. He wants you to have a burden and a passion for him. My question to you is, what would your life look like on fire? In a good way. If you had a vision for your life in God, what would that life look like if you were fully on fire, a living sacrifice for God. Because sometimes we are so engulfed in sinful things because we just don't have a good vision of what our life could be in God or what our life should be in God. And I want to encourage some of you today, while you're listening right here or even online, I want you to find that place of fire. I want you to find that burden of fire. God has called us to be holy like him in the earth. Some of you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Some of you need to go back to the vision board and rewrite your vision on fire for Jesus so that you can represent him in the earth. What does it look like for you to be on fire for God? He's called you to be a living sacrifice. He's called us to be set apart. He's called us to be like him in the earth. My question to you is, how are you in this moment and how are you in this time going to make a decision about the things that God has said to you. Like, he's told some of us in here right now, I don't want you to do that anymore. That time that you're giving to that, I want you to give that time to me. Some of us, we've gotten entangled in certain sins. We've gotten entangled in certain things, and we don't know how to get out of it. And God is saying, look, if you spend time with me, if you, if you get away with me and you step away with me, I'll give you strength to overcome that. But what we do oftentimes is we don't want to put the time in to be with God. And I'm saying to us today, God is not lying. He's, he, he set a fence. He said, look, without holiness, you will not even see me. Holiness is not something that is optional. Holiness is something that as, as believers, as Christians, we get an opportunity to be with God. Just like Adam and Eve was in the garden, being with God, walking with God, talking with God. We have an opportunity to go back to this special place where we operate in the Imago Dei, the image of God, and we operate in the Umissio Dei, the mission of God, when we align with who he's called us to be. He's called us holy. So here's what, here's what I want to do. I want us to just close our eyes. Take a moment. 
And I want you to think about right now in this moment, what is it that, Lord has, that the Lord has said to you about, about your life personally? Lady said, you can do all of these things, you can, you can do this, but this right here, I don't want you to do it anymore. Remember my story. My story, was, Lord was like, look, you can't do this anymore. And it set a path that, to the point that today I'm standing right before you right now because of one act of obedience. Because God has a special purpose for each and every one of you. He wants to use you in a special way. I want to read this scripture over you first. Timothy chapter 2, verse 20. It says, In a large house there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes and some for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes made holy, useful to the master, and prepared for any good work. As we're right here in this moment, I want you to make up in your mind and make up in your heart, Lord, I'm going to be holy because you've called me to be holy. I'm going to live the life you called me to live. I'm going to walk the way you've called me to walk. I may not feel like I have the strength, but I'm going to walk and do life the way you've called me to do it from the inside out. Now, you can open your eyes. I want you to grab uh, the communion element. And here's what communion is for today. As we get ready to take communion, if you don't have a communion element, go ahead and put your hands up so someone can see you. They can get you some elements. If you are giving your life to Christ today, then I want you to take communion. You know, Paul said when in, in, in 1 Corinthians, when he was talking about communion, I believe 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he said, as you come together and before you take communion, I want you to examine yourself. And so I want us to take a moment of examination because we want to take of communion in a worthy man manner. Sometimes we've just become too common with God. And Jesus is saying, this is a special time. And so, in communion, what we do is we celebrate the fact that Jesus' body was broken for us and his blood was shed for us. And for some of you who, who heard this message and you say, look, I want to, today I want to recommit my life to Jesus. I want to recommit my life within the boundary and the fence of holiness. Or you may say, look, pastor, I've never even gave my life to Christ. But today I want to make that decision. Right before we uh, partake of the, the blood or partake of the wine as, as the representing Jesus' blood, we're going to pray a prayer of salvation with you. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to, as we take communion, I just feel led to ask you to stand to your feet as a form of worship. As a form of worship, we're standing to our feet to just tell Jesus that, look, we've been apart from him. Lord, I want to be with you. Lord, I want to do life with you. Lord, I want to live life different. I want to live life set apart. And so the Bible says that as Jesus was with his disciples, 
he took the bread which represents his body that was broken for us and because his body was broken for us the Bible says that that because of his body being broken whipped and stripped and bruised that we can have healing and so what Jesus did he took the bread and he broke it go ahead and break it and he gave thanks father we thank you for the broken body of Jesus we thank you that because his body was broken we can have healing in your name we thank you Lord that your body was broken to bring healing in every area of our life to heal the divide in our in our in our bodies to heal the body heal the divide in our mind to make us whole so he gave it he broke it and he said take and eat for this is my body that was broken take it and eat after that he took the cup the cup represents the new covenant in his blood because his blood was shed we can have atonement for all of our sin because his blood was shed it represents what happened in Passover that when death comes knocking at your door he sees the blood when God looks at you he sees the blood of Jesus he takes your sin because of his son's blood and he remembers it no more so if you're receiving Christ today I want you to pray this prayer with me say father I receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior I believe that he is the son of God I believe he died on a cross I believe he went in the grave for three days and he rose again and I believe because his blood was shed that you remember my sin no more you take it and you cast it as far as the east is from the west and because of that sacrifice I am saved and Lord I repent of my sin I say allow your Holy Spirit to come live in me make me new make me clean in Jesus name amen amen so he took the cup he gave thanks thank you for the blood Jesus and he gave it to his disciples saying take and drink for this is my blood of the new covenant that was shed for you and there's gonna be some elements that are gonna some people gonna pass some buckets to take up those elements and I'm gonna ask that the worshipers come to the to the stage because right now you know I gave you two points I want you to be set apart with God, set ablaze for God. But I have a third point with you because once we get in the presence of God, we want, us, we want to be saturated in the presence of God. So I want to encourage us in a moment to just go into a moment of worship. And here's what I, here's what I want you to practice as we're worshiping. You know, we talked about saying thank you. We talked about blessing his name. As we worship right now, I want you to worship as if you are completely free. Some of you don't feel free. Some of you need to worship in your freedom that God has given you. Some of you need to worship from a place of authority, not thinking about the circumstances that you face. Some of us just need to be able to worship because the week has been hard and we need some things to fall off of us. So as we go into the presence of God with everybody, let's just get caught up in his presence right now. Are you ready to just allow God to saturate this atmosphere? And he's going to do it because you're opening your mouth and giving him worship and praise. 
So let's go ahead and go into worship one more time.